This podcast discusses difficult topics that may not be appropriate for all listeners. We are not doctors or therapists. None of our content should be construed as medical advice, nor as a substitute for professional help. Names and other specific identifying details are often changed for the privacy and protection of our guests. Our guests' experiences are shared as they experienced them. Opinions may not reflect the opinions of Beck and Ella or this podcast. There will also be adult language used. Lots of it. Listener discretion strongly advised. Welcome back to Narcissist Gaslighters and Cheaters. Oh my, I'm Beck. And I am Ella. We are back this week with Jenna to tell us the second half of her story. So without further ado, Jenna, I will, or just Jenna, should I call you? I mean, yeah, yeah, that is so now going to be my handle on everything. I know. <laughs> I'm going to touch on the real quick, the being called strong, mm-hmm. right? So my whole life, people always told me how strong I was and I was. But it it wasn't a choice. It really was just how I was created. I have a ridiculous amount of empathy. You know, I didn't choose to have a ridiculous amount of empathy. I wish I did not have a ridiculous amount of empathy. It gets in the way of a lot. I have five cats because I have a ridiculous amount of empathy, you know, that you're allergic to, right? Yes, yes, but I didn't know that at first. But and now the last one has no eyes and doesn't use a litter box. So like my life, you know, I'm like that sums it up. Mm-hmm. I and I I did. I I started taking care of people um, at a very young age, very young age. Like the first the first time I remember outside of like my mom, I always you know she worked the three jobs, so I would rub her feet and. I couldn't stop until she fell sound asleep because when I stopped, I noticed she would start to wake up Mm. and I knew she had worked so long and I didn't want her to wake up. I wanted her to get a good night's rest. Right. So it's like those things that I didn't quite understand what was going on, but I just knew that or um, an elderly lady in the cult who had married her husband at 13, you know, this was back when you did that. She was, she was like 70 at this time, you know, so like that was that age, you know, her, she had never spent a night away from her husband. He didn't go to war. So she literally had never spent a night away. And I'm at their funeral and I hear her say something and I could just feel how much pain she was. I was like nine. So I just went to Karen and I'm like, hey, Karen, I need to go stay with Sister Koppel. She can't be left alone because she didn't have family. Mm-hmm. No one no one was saying, hey, maybe someone should help this 70-something-year-old woman who just lost her husband. So I was like, I'm not leaving her alone. I did not. I knew her, but I didn't know her. She was a member of the church. Right. So I did. I went and stayed with her for almost a month at nine taking care of her you know which i loved like i i and i still i mean i i love her to you know just love her um but that's who i was so that was that was also hard in my situation right because i i'm super empathetic but i'm also like i'm also really wise but the super empathetic always trumps the wise right because i'm like but I, I don't want them to feel right that bad or feel all of those things. Mm-hmm. So I always felt like I needed to take care of people. And so it was hard. Like I never, it, people couldn't take advantage of me. Like I, like in the aspect of, 
I knew at nine, like sitting, I will never forget sitting on my bed going, because none, none of the parents wanted their kids to hang around me, right? Because I was vocal. Mm -hmm. But my sister did it. My sister was the perfect Pentecostal. So it was like this weird thing with me, my sister, and the, the, the cult. But because of being super sensitive, but also mouthy, no one could get me. It just didn't make any sense. So I'd be like, the kindest person ever, but then they thought I was the most awful person ever. Mm -hmm. But because the empathy part and the trauma part um, and then just being called strong constantly, because I was, you know, there I am, nine years old, wanting to take care of a 70-year-old. Yeah. Like that, that was just my thing. And so then as I got older and one day someone told me how strong I was and it just pissed me off because it, to me, like strength was the people, like the women who came forward with me, mm -hmm. who every night were in tears. Like they just cried themselves to sleep. It was so hard. They were fighting against so much to do it. It wasn't hard for me. It was easy. So, but I was on an island of my own. And then, but I kept telling everybody, you guys, I'm strong, but... I'm gonna fucking break, mm -hmm. right? And none of you are gonna notice because I'm gonna break over the smallest thing because eventually you just can't. Cause I just, the stuff you guys heard about me, that is a blip of what I've been through. Right. That's why I've said it's so bizarre. I've lived so many different lives. Mm -hmm. And so it's like what I kept telling everybody. I'm like, I, I know I am. I know I am. But one of these days I'm not going to be. And I'm like, and no one's going to notice because you guys have written me off as strong. So I need someone to recognize that even strong people need help. Absolutely. Right. Right. So if you have someone in your life who you're like, oh, they're, they're strong, that doesn't let you off the hook of being there for them. And I don't ever think it's um, intentional, right? I don't think our friends and our loved ones are like, oh, yay, they're strong. We don't have to deal with them, right? I think it's just because of what, given str the definition of strong to be, automatically lets them off the hook because we don't need them. It's Jennifer, right? And in this instance, just Jennifer means just Jennifer can handle it all. And just because you can handle it doesn't mean you should have to always be the one to handle it. Right. Right. When at some point you won't be able to. Right. Right. At some point, there is a breaking point for everyone. Absolutely. And it'll look different on everyone. Some people will have a visible mental breakdown. Other people will just carry it inside and their spinal collapse or someone else. You know, there's all these different ways that it can show. Or you just squish it down with your squisher downer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's still going to show in another way. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah, your body is always going to absorb all that stress and it's going to break down. Right. Body keeps the score, right? Yeah. Yes, it does. And it catches up with us. And so after the lawsuits. I mean, that was a lot. And I lost everything, everyone. And I'm like, I'm starting completely over, you know, and I'm 36 years old. And I fall back into a relationship because 
I always fucked my way through sadness. Always. Because that was my self-worth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From the time I was six. Right. I looked like the little girl from The Exorcist. And I lived in Southern California, so people literally would stop me, because we were the exact same age, thinking I was her. So here I was, this cute little blonde girl, right? Everyone always talked about how pretty I was. You're so pretty. You're so cute. All of that. And this is before they realized how mouthy I was. And so, you know, and, and so that, and then I was sexually abused, right? So... That's my self-worth. Then I'm 13. That I attract a 23-year-old. Look at me. Like, oh, wow, you know? And that's my self-worth. And it just always, that trickled into the rest of my life, right? So when every relationship failed, I needed to be validated. I needed, uh, I needed a man or a woman, but usually more a man. Because I'm queer. So, but there was something about the attraction from a man. Right. Just conditioning. Which I'm sure is daddy issues, right? Well, it's conditioning too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so that was my normal way. And I left, left the cult, left my best friend of my entire life because it destroyed us. Oh, that's so sad. That's my loss. That's, that one gets me. Um because we would have made it right we were very much in love and i don't blame him for our marriage falling apart and I, it wasn't my fault it was their fault right but he's remarried his wife doesn't like me go figure <laughs> <laughs> why wouldn't she like me <laughs> i then after it was all done i got back with my ex from when i was 23 who i never left contact with because he was just so in love with me you know like he he did all those things but he lived in indiana that was why i moved to indiana in the first place the first time he's not my daughter's father but he was why i moved there so we ended up getting back together and my daughter's father's in indiana and i was just like she'll finally have family you know because i couldn't give her that here mm -hmm. other than me you know um and she'll have all that support and all those reasons for why, you know, someone might move. And I get to Indy, and then I remember why we broke up when I was 23. So it's like, <laughs> that's why this didn't work. So it didn't. And I'm in this city, I don't know anyone, and I've just left this cult where every single person in my life has just vanished on me. And I spent 10 years with everybody just breaking me down and no therapy in the midst of this, you know, like it was just all me. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'll do what I do, what I know. And that's, I'll just fuck my way through this. I'll just go start going, hanging out at bars. And I'm, I'm not a, a, a big drinker, but I'll drink at the bar. Like, and I know, and I would drink enough. I knew exactly how much of a Red Bull vodka I needed to know what I was doing and not care. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it just let that in and i needed that escape like and i still i have no shame about that like I, that that's just what it was well, how did you meet dick he was the gm of the bar i went to and i did not know anyone i went on a I think it was a match date match.com that's not where i met him that's where i met this other guy and he was like let's meet at land sharks 
So I should have known by the name, right? Match.com is bad. Isn't that where you met your ex-wife, Ella? It is. Yeah. <laughs> where? On Match. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. They did not match well. <laughs> no. I didn't match well with this guy either. God, my life is just so much trauma, but he drugged me, raped me kind of thing, you know, woke up on his mattress on the floor. Yeah. And so, you know, got a wonderful um, STD from him. So sorry. That's horrific. Um, But luckily, but luckily antibiotic curable. Good. At least he did me that solid. So I'm on this match date with this guy who does what he does and that thing. But that night he had introduced me to some some regulars at the bar and they were his bar friends but they weren't his friends you know and so i bonded with all of the women that were in this group and so they told me he was never around he just happened like show up that night and they know him so we all hung out so they were fine with like us separate from him so one of the friends she was trying to hook me up with every single person she knew because she just wanted me to be you know she was just like oh here's this person and and every person she said was amazing Mm -hmm. like she'd just be like oh my god and she would have some story and and she would talk about them like they were friends like i thought these people were friends hung out right Mm -hmm. i didn't know they were bar friends the way she talked about them, it made them, it made it sound like she actually knew them as people mm. outside of a bar environment. So when she said, Oh, here's this is this is the guy who runs the bar. His name is Dick, and he's amazing. He's such a great guy. You will never meet anyone nicer than him. Like he's amazing. I've known him for years. All the women love him. He's so helpful. He's 6'6". And at the time, he's only about 320. He was a very large man. And so he, I mean, if he, when he walked into a room, his aura and presence took completely over. But he was not my type at all. At all. And... I I had been, you know, talking to some other people or whatever, and she brings him over to me and she's like, I want you to meet her, you know, did it. And I didn't know that she was at this point trying to fix this up. And she, she's telling me all this and she's like, I think you should go out with him. And I'm like, yeah, he's not my type. You know, I'm like, I just, he really isn't my type. He had this weird long haircut that just looked like a female tennis player. You know, like he just possessed you guys, you know what I mean? But he's this six foot six big guy with this weird bob. And I'm just like, what what what's happening there? He was an attractive man in the face, like all that. And some people loved his hair. I just saw a bob. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work, right? And um, and so I had no interest. Then I just was there more and more and more and more and more. Um, every time my daughter went to her dad's or a friend's, I went down to Landshark's. And we got to talking. And before you know it, I didn't care about his bob anymore because he he was a single dad of a three-year-old. That is the only time I'm going to mention her because I can't go there. So we had a lot in common. 
right in that area and stuff and um sorry just give me a second it's okay it's okay take your turn turn. he asked me out and i was like okay sure my type obviously is not working for me which if you'd seen all the people i had been with you'd have been like you don't have a type but i thought i did you just knew your type was not long bob right (laughs) right (laughs) yes so i agree to this date right fine now with dick's bob and i'm like all right let's go on this date we're not gonna name this episode dick's bob but it'd be very funny (laughs) (laughs) that'd be really funny if you did i would screenshot that and send it to him (laughs) uh so we went out to dinner we had the best time he was charming as fuck and he's big and he's strong and all the other men i had been with were like my size or you know in like that the first one jonathan i'm not counting him because i didn't pick him he was my abuser yes i was married to him but i'm not counting him he was taller than me but everyone else yeah because you were a child (laughs) right and he yeah exactly i i do see that as abuse now you know like that totally is that's whole other whole other one whole other episode and so i never thought that i needed a man to feel safe right like because i had felt safe because i actually was the one i will kick your ass like, and I shouldn't be that way because what, as Pentecostals in our skirts running around, we weren't taking lessons, you know, but I, I just naturally, there's a serial killer loose in our neighborhood. There really was Kevin Cooper murdering people three blocks from us and our doors don't lock and they, they swing wide open our French doors when the San Bernardino winds come in and my mom's working a graveyard shift and he's murdering literally three blocks from our house. Kevin Cooper, I go and move on to the couch with the fireplace poker and tell my older sister to sleep on the bed because if he comes in, he's not going to expect my little nine-year-old self to have a fireplace poker waiting for her. And I really believed that. Like, I really believed I could take him. I still now think I probably could have because he wouldn't have expected a seven or eight-year-old to have a fucking fireplace poker under the bed with her. Right? Right. So I was prepared. So I always felt like I, I didn't ever feel like I needed protection. I never, like, there wasn't this thing that I thought I, I was missing. But then all of a sudden, I'd gone through all this trauma. And this is just, I mean, months after the, the loss, the last lawsuit finally ended. You know, I'm still tied to people here that I was married to, but I'm off. And it's all fresh. It's so fresh. But I had cut everyone out. Well, vice versa. And there he was, this charming, big, strong man who he could protect me. Who is going to fuck with me now? You're just not going to, unless you're the drunk guy in the bar who wants to pick the strongest, biggest man in the room to prove you're a man. And you just prove that he's the strongest, tallest man in the room. Because we went through that all the time at the bar. Right. right? (laughs) They would. It it would be the most... I don't understand men. We're not supposed to. They're idiots. Your six six three twenty boyfriend's just like pushing and tap down. <laughs> it was so absurd. I will never forget us all standing outside because he had to kick a man out, and we're all in the back. 
And all of a sudden, this guy comes around. He had to jump up on the bumper, whatever they're called, in the parking lots, in the spots. He had to jump up on that to even be able to reach his face because he was so small. So he jumps up on that and he su just sucker punches Dick. And Dick just slowly turns his head and just looks at him like, oh, you idiot. Because it didn't fucking phase him, right? And so he took him by the throat, pulled him up in the air, body slammed him down, and then lectured him. So these are this is me watching him. And going back to the strong thing, there's a connection here of like mm -hmm. you always having to be strong your whole life, uh, being labeled the strong one, and then not only being a label, but a responsibility mm -hmm. and a cop out for other people. And then all of a sudden, this person is stronger than you in a physical. Mm -hmm. It's such a um, what's the word I'm looking for? Allegory to like your entire life yes. you know so like I could totally see the draw of like now I can take a breath yes because I don't have to worry about my physical safety anymore right and I can finally I can absolutely see the draw and the allure of like I don't have to be the one to worry about all of these things anymore like that totally makes sense to me Are you okay okay good I hope I didn't say something wrong no 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 you were you were absolutely right um this is the first time i'm really talking about it. sure yeah <laughs> i hope that makes you feel validated though in a way of like no it does it does you're not hurting me you're not hurting me it it literally i've not thought about it that way before you putting it together like that like made total sense right and then when you hear what he said to me it it, it 100 is right because on the first day we had this wonderful time. We just talked for hours. And then he walked me to my car and he hugged me and having like my my face on the middle of his chest, right? Where every other man, because I'd be in heels, they would be fucking like having their head on my chest. Right. You know, cause it, that really was the, how it always was. And here I am after all of that. And I have just, I, I feel like, you know, the cartoon, what is it? Uh, the one with the monsters under the bed, a monster sink. And how, like when he hugs her, mm -hmm. the monster, when he hugs the little girl, right? That's how it felt. Like I was just engulfed and I have never felt that, right? Like just never. And he didn't try to kiss me. He never made one sexual comment about me. Every man that I've ever been with, it was, I mean, my sexual, my sex appeal is what always, because I had to walk because of my sexual abuse and that being my self-worth, I had to walk in a room. I didn't need all the men in the room to fuck me. I didn't need any of them to fuck me. I just needed them to want to. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Because then I knew, okay, I'm doing, I'm doing what I'm supposed to. I, I'm doing this. The, all right. I'm doing it right. This is, I'm doing it right. They all want to fuck me. 
my self-worth we're good well and the, the the patriarchy reinforces that too i mean like we're yep. 100 we're told that i mean in so many different ways over and over and over again from birth on so like it exactly. there's a whole lot that plays in there mm -hmm. and then when you're sexually abused at such a young age right and then you're just told your whole life when anybody talk, no one ever asked me what i wanted to be because i was going to be a wife and a mom right right so no one ever even took time to see if i was even intelligent it didn't matter it just didn't matter you know and so all of those things but me being pretty sure did right you know my my karen we had me and my sister had bunk beds karen would be down there with me you're so beautiful you're just so pretty and you know and then she'd go up to my sister and she'd be like good night because my sister was sour she just always had this look on her face you know and she just and it, now i understand because everyone always talked about how pretty i was right and then they would just look past her in that aspect so then she took on the role as the perfect pentecostal right and then so we just had different roles so we could never be close you know we just fought the entire time because i was everything she didn't want to be but also jealous of certain things so it was a strange dynamic for us you know yeah but with him i was like wait he didn't try to fuck me he didn't even try to kiss me because i mean i've been on so many dates where i you know when we're doing this online dating thing men and women where i'm like look this is where i'm at i'm at a i just want to get to know people stage and we'll see what happens you know and I couldn't get past one fucking date without somebody making some kind of sexual comment at me. And before him and all this, I would have needed that. But then, you know, at that point, I didn't. But isn't it funny when, like, you go through that your whole life and the, there's a day that it changes? Yeah. Like, there is just a day. And, like, it could not even be brought on by anything but like there's a time that you appreciate that and then there's a day that all of a sudden not only do you not appreciate it but it pisses you the fun off yeah every time yeah and i am so far into that stage of my life that like uh -huh. the truckers that drive by you on the interstate and like beep their horn and the guys that yell shit when you walk in like i want to fucking murder you yeah there's like a point where you just get to where you're just so fucking done with it that it done. yeah it just makes you so mad i think it's when you start approaching 40 and i'm sure for some people it's earlier than that you know but there was something about when i started turning 40 where things just shifted in that area but for me not needing that happened with dick gotcha I had always needed that, right? But then he came in and, and didn't say shit about how I looked. He didn't say sh There was nothing. There was no... He was the perfect gentleman. He was amazing. And he had charisma. And he just, like, oozed it and showed me so much respect. And he was so interested in everything i had you know maybe that 
there's probably something to that too, because like I can relate that time and it could be age or whatever. But when I met my current husband that correlated to that, it's like all of a sudden I have this attention from someone who I actually want it from. And it's like in a version that I appreciate. And now mm-hmm. the rest of it just pisses me off. So I can totally see that. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what happened because he was the first person to not objectify me. You know, right. The the first. And I mean, I was just, it was so refreshing and just like, wow, like, how, okay, you, this is real. Men like this exist. People like this exist. Like, wow, okay. I, sh- you know, that cold. They're just full of some really fucked up people. But the real world, they've got people like him. And it's just amazing, you know? So we've been on that date. It was wonderful. We talked, you know, but it wasn't anything. It wasn't like love bombing off off right out of the gate, right? It wasn't. It wasn't so much like that. So, because a lot of times when you think about narcissists, you know, because he did do the love bomb, but he waited. Mm-hmm. He did wait a little while, um, not too long. I mean, not too long at all. But he did lay a foundation first, Smart. where he because what he what. People don't understand, and this is where it's so hard. Like it is, I want to be able to say, these are the bullet points to look out for in a narcissist, right? But my bullet points to look out for are also the bullet points of what you want in someone. Right. It's the the intent behind it. That's the difference. Yeah. So like you could call a lot of things love bombing. Like you could call when my husband and I first met each other and were dating that we were love bombing each other. Right. The difference is the intent was pure behind it versus the intent of I'm doing this to gain your trust mm-hmm. because I'm going to abuse you later on. And I want to make sure you're pulled into me and you can remember and draw from these times that I was so nice to you to you know what I mean? Like it's because I'm about to be a total dick. Yeah, it's all about intent. And when I'm that total dick, I want you to be confused. Yeah, right. You know. Yep. Yeah. And so you know, it. He he did that well. He laid he laid that foundation so I mean just perfectly, right? And then on our third date, and at this point they still had not kissed me. We hadn't held hands. It was just a total getting to know each other. Whole new world. That new relationship energy. Uh, Hell of a time. And then he made me feel so comfortable that I could just share everything. And he asked questions. And if someone asks me a question, God bless ADHD at RT and <laughs> Because we're going to blurt out our information whether you ask us or not. Mm-hmm, right now, yeah. now you're asking me. Well, now, okay, like, buckle up, buddy. Let me tell you. <laughs> right. You know, and he'd made me feel so safe. And he hadn't tried to hit on me. He hadn't tried all of these things. He really just wants to know who I am. Get in, losers. We're talking about all of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. And because of what I had literally just come out of, right, I was just one Google away from anyone knowing all of the most traumatic events of my life, right? Something you would never tell someone unless you were starting to get serious with them. Sure. You would not like, right? But 
you can find this out about me on our first date if you you just google me who doesn't google people now right mm-hmm. so that's always in the back of my mind that he can google me so i need to get ahead of it because you might think oh she's probably a mess you know like she's been through some shit she might not be who we want to go out with next you know because and i get that like no judgment i I sound crazy on paper you know she was like open up open up open up and so i'm just like (laughs) (laughs) and he's like storing it all to use against yeah that's where the intent comes in it's not genuine i'm guessing anyway i'm probably spoiler alerting but like no you're right in new relationship energy you're asking all those questions because you really want to get to know the person versus love bombing where they're asking all those questions to know where to hit you yep later on to knock you down and where to what to use against you that will be the most effective in breaking down your self-worth and your self-esteem and your confidence Mm -hmm. and they they pay attention right at the beginning like now my my dating advice to like my daughter and my son because i passed unfortunately down this ridiculous empathy you know and so to them because it it, it, when i say ridiculous amount of empathy it's just because it actually does cause issues because you know like it it can be unhealthy yeah 100 percent. you become a target narcissist feed on it yeah yes yeah and so i tell like be careful when you're just getting to know someone with what you do because they're stick if they're a narcissist you're not gonna know right away right but they're studying what you do without you knowing they're studying it so i have a uh, a soft spot i guess you would call it unhoused people Unho- i think that's where we're at unhoused people that's what we say today yes unhoused yes okay i spoke because all of my friends that are unhoused still call themselves homeless it's a tough one and i actually yeah and i got like all of East Nashville Park, <laughs> like I know all the guys there and they're like, we don't care. <laughs> right. But I it, it, I get it unhoused. So you would adore my husband. He has a very, very soft spot for the unhoused and mm-hmm. used to have a, a relationship with a lot of them in Nashville. Yeah, I, I, I did too when I was in East Park. And so he would study me, right? So it wouldn't be in conversation. So I'll never forget we were walking you know, in this area, this little park, I mean, like has like has a bunch of little stores, little restaurants, you know, like those little things. And we were walking through and there was a homeless person and we had just eaten and we came out, you know, and they were talking, the, the person, I'm sorry, unhoused person, they were talking to me. And then I just said to Dick, I'm like, um, just give, give me a second. And I went back into the restaurant, ordered them food came back out because I didn't want them to just have my leftovers. I wanted them to have something they actually wanted and the whole meal, you know, not just my scraps. Not saying that it's wrong to give your, like, but in that moment, that's what I wanted. But I didn't tell Dick that that's what I was doing, but he noted it, right? What in his mind, he's like, all right, she's that person, right? She has trauma, She's stopping and she's helping the unhoused without wanting praise. You know, she like all these different things. The empathy is like a drug. Yep. Yes. And they they sense it and go right in for it. Yeah. And they will. And they'll just ask you about more and more about you so that they can get their little book together of how to fuck you over later. 
this is the thing I'll never, ever, ever forget. We were we were out to dinner. Was, I guess it was our third date. And he said to me, he goes, I love you. And I am so glad that I'm the one who found you coming out of all of this. He said, because you are a walking target. You have take advantage of me written all over you. He goes, because of the trauma that you have gone through. So I am so glad that it was me because I will protect you and I will keep you safe and no one will ever be able to hurt you again. Well, oh my God, the levels of fucked up that that it like to actually have to say it out loud and to like, oh my God, yeah, fuck you, dick. Mm -hmm. I later after studying narcissism and I did use it with him, it, it, it said what I read, it was like a narcissist will tell you exactly what they're thinking if you ask it at the right time right because if you're like in the middle of conflict they know what to say right because they're in that mode but if you catch them off guard if you're not in a fight if everything's just normal and you ask a question mm -hmm. they'll usually tell you the truth because they're not on guard yeah and so they just say it and so when i read that i was like oh Okay. My ex does that all the time. First, he'll say, if he's if he's on it a little bit, he'll say, what? Like he didn't hear you, even though he did, <laughs> to give him a moment to, like, think about it. But if I don't give him that moment and I just go, like, right in, he'll tell the truth. Uh, because he doesn't have time to, like, formulate exactly. it. And I've noticed with our children, they have picked up on that behavior from him. So, like, if they're going to lie about something stupid, I can see them decide if they're going to lie about it. Wow. And the answer is always, what? Yeah. And I'm like, the second you say what to me, I know that no matter what you say, <laughs> it's I a lie. Right. Mm -hmm. And I can I can correct the behavior because I understand because they, they're repeating what they have seen. See? You know, but... Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you can catch them when they're off guard or... Their accusations are always confessions. Always. Whatever they are accusing you of is a confession, word by word, of what they're doing. Yep. When, when Donald Trump, and I'm not meaning to go political, but when he would get up and talk, right? Every, every speech, every speech, I would tweet out whatever he just accused whoever of, I promise you, she just did <laughs> or has done. Yeah. Right. 100%. And it's documented. Every time. And he did. And it was every time. Right. And so, but I didn't know, you know, that that Dick was a narcissist. You know, like, I, you know, obviously, like, going into it. Of course not. Not a good one. A good one's not going to, it's not going to be obvious. No, no. And, like, looking back, like, on Karen, holy hell. Like, that's a whole other episode part one two and three and four five and six just karen alone <laughs> we can call that episode just karen <laughs> just karen no just just just, just, just. <laughs> and this episode is just karen <laughs> and he he so he told me that and i was like oh my god he's so right 
I am so lucky. I am so lucky I met him. And all uh, that one engulf and him not hitting on me was all I needed. A year that was magical. A year with not one fight. A year of building me so high. I mean, we we were the couple. Everyone wanted to be. We were the couple I wanted to be. I was like, oh my God, the universe has finally been like, this woman has been through enough. She's paid her dues. We're giving her this unicorn of a man. And, and it wasn't, you know, it was a year. Who can fake being amazing for a year? Amazing to my daughter who did not have a good relationship with her father. And I mean, he made her, and this is the last I can say of this because that'll get me emotional too. It was the first time she felt like she'd had a dad. He did the exact same thing to her that he did to me. He just never was cruel. She never saw the cruel side. Right. Which then was super confusing when I left. Right. Yeah, then probably blamed you for that because she didn't see the... She didn't. Because I know her and I really were really close. And I did tell her. I had to tell her. Gotcha. But it was still to this day has never yelled at. He's never raised his voice to me. What I but narcissism comes in whatever package they were raised in and whatever thing whatever they learned to get through that life in their childhood, right? So it can come in so many different packages based on how they're raised. That's a huge, huge point. Yes. You know, because they're taught to manipulate in different ways. Mm -hmm. So depending on their experiences, they, they come at it in different ways. And what the recipient needs. Yes. Yes. I had never had anyone treat me that way. I had never had anyone respect me that way. And when we didn't agree on something, we could just sit down and talk about it. And there was hardly anything we didn't agree on. It was fucking perfect for a year we and this what i'm about to say is super super important that people really need to understand sex he got me addicted physically to sex with him he had sex with me every single day at least once for a year he would because he ran the bar he would be there in the day he would leave work come home and have sex with me go back to work I would show up at his work, and we would have sex in his office. We would, like, sex became such a thing, and it didn't feel like the sex I was used to. It actually felt like making love, even though we were doing it in places that most people wouldn't, right? He got me the first time we had sex was actually in public, in very public, but it was 4 o'clock in the morning. It was at the bar. I was super drunk. We came back to my car, parked right in front, and had sex right there. And people did walk by. Like, it it, it, it was four in the morning, but that was because it, it was that excitement, right? Like, he was able to pull that where, which I had never done that before. 
like that that I would never even have thought to done that before, you know. And there were all these different things that he pulled in that I had never done before, but there was so much love involved. So it like somehow made me like think it was okay. Like I can't even explain it. I, you were actually giving consent for like probably one yes. of the first times ever, right? Well, except with your your ex husband, well, the rest of them, like you were not giving consent yeah. for so much of your sexual experience that there's a piece there too. Not not the consent, true consent of understanding, right? Right. right. You know, at the time I thought I was, you know, for a lot of them that a child can't. But looking back now, right? Exactly. You know, you, exactly. So for for an entire year, and in that year, he built me up in a way that no one ever had. I had confidence that had nothing to do with my my sexual appeal. I no longer wanted anyone else. And that was the first time that had ever happened. Like I could be faithful, but it was still this need for them to want me. Right. Right. Because that was where my worth was. Right. I no longer wanted that. I didn't need it. I, he was all I needed. I was good. It's the first time. So that was love. You know, like that was magical. He made me not want anyone or care if anyone ever wanted me again, um, as long as he did. And then and I mean, like, it just was amazing. I, I, I don't know how to explain it because everybody's always like, there's no way he went an entire year. Yeah, there is. And you never saw anything. And I'm like, yes, there is. I'm like, but there is. But of course, they've never seen any of that. Right. He was a savior. Literally, because he was big, he was strong. Women, he would get to know them at the bars. They would actually, if their partner was beating them, they would go to him and he would go scare them. Right. Like, I watched it. Like, that's who he was, right? So he's this protector of abused women. Like, they're how, how can it in the enemies? Mm. Right. And so for a year, amazing. And then one day, he just didn't have sex with me. And it was, and I, and I was like, okay, like, you know, it's been a year. He's allowed to have a day off. Like, right. that's fine, <laughs> you know? And then 24 hours went by. He had at this point made me physically addicted. And so I literally was having a physical reaction to what's not having sex that I had never experienced before. Like it, it just, it, it just was different. And I wasn't like the stressor. So I was just like, Hey, is everything okay? You know, like this is new 24 hours. You know, are you okay? Are you feeling okay? You sick? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and he's like, no, you know, it's just been stressful. I'm like, okay. Like, I understand. No problem. And two weeks went and I'm like, okay. And then that's when it all started. So he had built me up for a year, all my confidence, everything. I was, I was the, the best version of me I had ever been. And that's when he was like, all right, here's up. Now it's time. And it, it starts so slow. It's insidious. It, it's like the, the whole boiling a frog concept. Right. Right. It's that exact same thing. And so, you know, two weeks go by with no sex. And I'm like, hey, what is going on? Well, it's a change in behavior. Like a complete change in behavior. And overnight, 
Right. It was, it, and so, so fucking mind confusing. Right. And, and so I'm like, Hey, you know, it's been two weeks. So I, I just need to know where you're at. I'm not upset that it's been two weeks. I just need you to explain to me why it's been two weeks. Right. Because you're the one who's needed this, but you know, all that stuff. And, you know, he's just like, I, you know, I'm, I must be going through something. Maybe I'm suffering from depression, you know, those things. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm the supportive wife, you know, two weeks, like what a bitch I would be. And it never got better from then on. Are you married at this point? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Sorry. We, we did, we did get married. When? At what time? How long? We were together for the year. Okay. And then we got married. So the sex stopped after you got married? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Pretty quickly after. Gotcha. And so when they, when it stops, I'm just like, you don't realize what that's doing to your psyche, right? Cause you just don't realize what's happening. We, I, cause he, he worked at a bar and you're flirtatious. Bartenders are flirtatious. People who work at bars are flirtatious. I'm not a jealous person. I, I felt very secure in our relationship. I didn't care. I didn't care if he told another woman she was pretty. None of that. I didn't care. I was threatened. He made me feel secure and safe. Then he stopped telling me I was pretty, but kept telling the other women they were pretty mm. and doing it in front of me. And so one day I take him aside and I'm like, hey, I don't mind. This is literally my words. If you objectify other women in front of me, I just need you to also objectify me. Right. I'm like, so if you could start the night out telling me I'm beautiful and that my ass looks great in this dress, you can tell whoever else you want that their ass looks great in their dress. But you can't not tell me and tell them. That's not going to work. Everything from there just went to hell. Everything. Like, it just started slowly. And of course, you know, you'd be like, oh, of course, of course, I'm not going to do that. Like, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I was doing that, you know, all that. But then the, the, the sex doesn't change. He's still not having sex with me. He's still, and then tells me I'm obsessed with sex. Then turns it on me, right? Starts making me feel weird and shamed about me needing sex. And I'm like, and he'd be like, all you care about is sex. That's all that matters to you. All you see me is sex. That's all you want. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it was just such a shift. And it was so weird. And I couldn't understand it. And he's pulling away. And he's making me feel so insecure. But he was amazing. And that amazing person is who he really is. Not this version. Right. This version I'm seeing in front of him, he must be going through something. So I need to be a good wife and I need to support him in this and, and help him get through this because I know who he really is. And fuck my needs. Yes. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Because he, he needs me. Right. And he, he, isn't that what marriage is? Right. Isn't that what we signed up for? You know, he'll do that for me when I get into a bad place. I'll do that for him. It's just nothing changed. And, and it just, he slowly just started pulling things away. He started pulling at that thread. He started using everything he had learned about me to now destroy me. Mm -hmm. And it happens so subtly. You never see it coming. 
until you're under the fucking bus. Right. The, the thing that's so hard is it feels like a tornado in your head of who they, who you thought they were, who you still believe they are, and then this version that's in front of you. And so I'm fighting that in my head, right? Like, what's happening? What What's going on? And we're, we're fighting for custody of this kid. And I, I'm paying for all of that. And we get it, you know? And so now I, that, and we're, we've got all these other things going on. And he's using me. So he already learned that I'm really great at going to court and getting sole custody for a father. Right. Right. So that's the first thing we did. We got custody for him, which he, the mother was a mess, but still he had an agenda Mm -hmm. and I was perfect for that agenda. He needed a mom. He had all these different things that he needed and I filled all of those parts. And so, but then, you know, the narcissist gets bored. Like they can only, uh, that facade for so long and it's going to seep through. It's going to just start building. So the sex then eventually just stopped, completely stopped. He's pulling away from me. And and there's a depression for him that's setting in. He stops showering. Like there's this whole shift. So he's in this depression. So I can use that, right, to hold on, to latch on to, to excuse his behavior. Right. He's in this horrific depression that he can't even shower. Then he starts to recover from that. And I'm like, what can I do for you? Like, what's happening because you know we connected so much through sex and i said are you bored do you want me to wear lingerie do you is that what you need for me would you like me to do that and he's like yeah he's like that that would be yeah i really like i'm like okay so we had date night put on lingerie you could see it when i sat down because i had on a short skirt so you could see like the garter you know thing and then we had a nice night and then we got home and we're in the bedroom and we're undressing and I'm standing there in full head to toe sexiness and he walks by me, doesn't say a word, crawls into bed and goes to sleep. In that moment, the straw from all of my rejections, all of my traumas from everything hit. And him walking past me, because that was the one thing I always had. Mm-hmm. Right. People wanted to fuck me. Right. And he knew that. So how do you break me? You make me feel like you don't want me physically. Right. Mm-hmm. And it worked. I mean, it, it gutted me. And from that moment on, I slowly started to become a shell. And I and I, I didn't see it happening, but I'm, I I become isolated. I've been in a car accident. My car's totaled. We don't get a new car. We use that money to keep going on the custody thing. So we have one car. So I'm stuck at home with no car. I'm in a state where I don't have any friends really, because every now everyone I've met now are his friends, right. and he's the savior of everyone. No one's gonna believe anything I have to say if it's negative about the man. You know, and then he starts, uh, you know, and still never raised his voice to me. Like all of this was just in a very calm, you know, matter of fact kind of way. My, my, my Karen was a screamer. Like, I mean, she was a screamer and a beater. So 
every time the service got stopped, you know, to tell me to shut up, I knew I'm getting the fucking shit beat out of me on the way home. Like, she can't wait, right? Mm -hmm. And she's a screamer and all this stuff. And so that's what I connected with bad. Right. How many nice people don't ever raise their voice? Like, you you know, like, you wouldn't hear that. Oh, he's a monster. But he never yelled at me. It makes no sense. Right. Oh, he's a monster, but he never called me a name. Like, it's just such a bizarre... Because I have other relationships, right? So, like my son's father my abuser horrific it doesn't compare in the end and jonathan was 25 years old and i was a 15 year old girl right the thing that was so hard you know because it wasn't that he stopped having sex with me right like obviously it wasn't that mm -hmm. it was what it represented yeah you know which you know was our connection and then um he's really good and he knows what to say. Sounds like it. And, you know, he's not a, a typical narcissist because he doesn't get off on the the rage part. You know, like you have some narcissists who like the fact that their person fears them. And now I, we didn't get to the point where I physically felt feared him. But he knew his way to get to me was to break my self-worth because he knew that wouldn't be hard. It's covert. Yeah. He gets off on the fact that I thought I was safe. Like, that was his. I'm going to build you up. I, I'm going to make you feel super, super, super safe. And then I'm going to rip that out from under you. And enjoy watching whatever it is that happens. So what happens from the time the sex stopped, all of the insidious, like, breaking down? What was the next event from there? I pretty much, I became really sick and I didn't know, like I had a bunch of allergy issues, right? But then you put on, and I didn't know I had them and his house was really old. So I was getting sick from the, his house and I didn't know it was making me sick. And then I started withdrawing and all this depression. So before you know it, I'm not leaving the bed. I can no longer function. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not leaving my bed. My daughter is struggling in school because she's undiagnosed autistic at the time. And um, like there was just a lot of things going on and I could not leave my bed. I, I physically really couldn't. And he just left me there because at this point I'm now mentally beaten down and I also have physical things happening. So I'm super, super weak at this point. So I don't want to go to a doctor. I don't, I don't have that. Does, you know, it's like, just let me die. I don't know how to explain. He just every day chipped away in a very, very subtle way that I never, ever saw until I was in the fetal position on my bed going, what's happened to you? Because I mean, I am a out there in your face like life of the party and I, I'm in the fetal position and my I don't know what's happened to me and and he's not who I thought he was now he's still the father I thought he was he's still being an amazing stepfather he's still an amazing father we have his daughter like everything but with me something's changed but no one else is seeing it and I and I think I was probably hiding a little, 
by being in the bedroom because then no one would witness it, you know, like you wouldn't see the distance between us, I think is a lot of it. Um, but he just wasn't that person anymore. But I could not, I could not fight who that person was for a year because it never occurred to me someone could fake it for a year. I wouldn't believe that, you know. And then one night we went out and it was, you know, I'm, I'm feeling horrible about myself, horrible. And we go to the bar and we're sitting there, we're talking and this woman walks up and he comes over to me and he goes, oh, hey, Jenna, this is so-and-so. She's the looker I want that I've that I told you about I'm like oh hey, nice to meet you and he goes I have been trying to fuck her for so long and she never would but implying like it was prior to us this poor woman I felt so bad for her and she just like uh uh, uh and then she ends up like trying to laugh it off mm -hmm. he was known to say outlandish ridiculous like just crazy things for shock value and so she then looked at him and she was like, if I was going to fuck anyone, it would be your wife. Right. And so because she did not appreciate what he was doing. Right. For her. Yeah. This is someone's wife. Right. And so she's like, I'd rather fuck your wife, you know, and then she goes, starts to say about like how hot I was and all this stuff. And I'm just in shock because there was a difference in everything he had done before. There was a nastiness to this and a truth to it because all those other women I knew he didn't want like they were annoying they were all this. he did want her he was telling the truth I just I just looked at him and I'm like I want to go home I'm leaving it was about 1 30 he didn't want to go and I'm like I'll just walk the fuck home and I started walking home which was in a bad, you know, going through bad, whatever. And he pulls up and he's like, you've got to get in the car. He's like, you just got to, I'll, you know, just, I'll drive you home. We'll go home. I'm like, okay. So we get home, we go upstairs. The kids, no one, none of the kids are with us. We go upstairs and he's in the bathroom. And I just, I just stood there and I looked at him and I'm like, I can't believe you did that to me. And he's like, what? You know, he's not looking at me. He's just looking at the mirror. And I'm like, you know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. And I pushed him. At this point, I'm 127 pounds, the smallest I have ever been in my life, because I have now stopped eating. And he's huge. So me pushing him was a weeble wobble, right? He just literally swayed. like. And when he turned around, his eyes were black. I don't know how it, it, they were because he's never he'd never raised. You have to remember, he had never even raised his voice to me. So I wasn't and I had never physically touched him or or had raised my voice at him either until that moment when it, I'm like, what the fuck? I've never seen anything like it. Like, I didn't even know that that could actually physically happen. You know, you see that shit on movies, right? And you're obviously it's a movie it's not his eyes were fucking black the fight fight or flight response when their eyes get completely pupil like in the color of their eyes is gone because the pupil is so large mm -hmm. it's a very dangerous thing in that moment from a man who had never yelled at me never called me a name never i'm like fuck he's about to kill me to go 
from believing this man is here to protect you and you've never felt safer than in his arms to now this man is going to kill you there's no way to process it there's no way to make sense of it because it, i mean it didn't feel real at this point like i knew there was something wrong in our marriage i knew there was you know different things but no one goes from that to that it, it, i still can't make sense of it like I, I i you know and i and i know you can't you know and i have stopped trying because it's just you have to ex understand that that's just they're wired that way mm -hmm. and you, you, you can't understand it because if you did you're probably like them if that makes sense to you go see a therapist you know because i don't know how it happened my spine had collapsed i had gone two years without walking i do have screws in my back so my back if you want to get me my back is the first place you go, right? So I, I don't know what happened exactly. The next thing I know, I am being used like a fucking ragdoll. No, someone could so easily throw someone around like that. And he broke a solid wood table with my back. The last thing I could remember in that moment, he was, he had me by the throat and was slamming my head against the hardwood floor while he was choking me out. He told me how he would dispose of my body. What? Oh my God. And how he would never get caught. And that he knew that because he had never been caught. Wow. I'm so sorry. But I, I, I woke up and then I wrote my daughter a letter and I told her how sorry I was and that I knew I was failing her and my son, but I couldn't survive this and that I, 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 he should have, it should have ended then. And then I took a bottle of pills. I handed him the note because I knew he wouldn't like do anything to stop me. So it wasn't like I was doing it to, um, I didn't want him to stop me. I knew he would enjoy it. You know, like he didn't give a fuck. And he was like, okay. And he rolled over and went to sleep. And I took a bottle of pills. He was my straw. And for whatever reason, and maybe it was because I had drank so much and then they hit my stomach and then I didn't sit right because I have an extremely weak stomach. I woke up throwing up everything. I just, I couldn't take, I just didn't, I just couldn't. There was nothing left of me. It was too much pain. Too much pain just piled on too much pain. It was so much pain. And I'm so grateful that I woke up throwing up, you know? Yeah. I was extremely injured from this. So I was covered in bruises. I had, you know, his handprints around my throat and I though couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't lift my head. So for three days, my head was hanging over a bed. Like it, I, I couldn't, if, if I moved it, I would throw up it, it, because I, did, I had a concussion. Right. And I didn't know how bad the concussion was. 
that had happened. And of course, the next day, you know, he's sitting next to me on the bed and he's crying, you know, and I had never seen him cry. And he's like, I don't know what's happening, you know, and he did the whole, I'm so sorry, like this, and blah, 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 blah. And then so I was like, well, he's, I'm sure he's done this to other people. Like, there's no way I'm the first one, right? I can't be the first one. So I was the first one that he'd ever actually hit. He had all, like, because I, I spoke to his exes after, like, trying to figure it out, you know? And he would threaten them. And he would make, he would, like, want them to feel the fear, you know, and all of that. But I was the first one that he actually went through with it. So that was a whole other mind fuck of why, why, why me, you know? It was just, it was a really hard situation. And, um, but now at this point I'm isolated, right? I'm alone. I'm in a state. I don't know anyone. I'm, I'm hanging off in bed with my head hanging. I've got a daughter who adores him, who he's amazing to. I don't know what I'm doing. He's never hit me before. We're in the middle of a custody thing who, and a daughter's mother is actually worse than him, you know? And I, so I'm like, oh my God, he's never done this before. Like, how can I, he'll be, he'll end up, long. And I had, I had to go to the hospital because I knew something was wrong with me. So on the way to the hospital, I'm coming up with all the excuses of why I have the marks on me that I have, right? So I, I, I was like, well, just tell them that I'm into rough sex, you know, that I like to be choked out, that I, you know, like all the things. I can't, and I came up with all of them, all of them. You just sat there, okay, okay, if that, if that, if that's what you want to do, like so, like understanding, like it was, it's just such a bizarre, like if I think back of it, such a weird fucking situation. And we get to the hospital, you know, we tell them I fell, all this stuff. We explain the bruises of that I'm into rough sex. Ironically, enough. So my right arm. I knew was broken, but I, I couldn't tell them that my right arm is broken because I can't explain that away. So they, they, they were doing my blood pressure cuffs on my right arm and I did it. it did, I'm like, okay. And then I told them, you know, oh, I fell on the side there. Do you mind switching it to the other arm? And I knew if they lifted up my arm, I, the, there's just bruises all over my arm. At this point though, I'm like, I'm still believing that there's still something redeemable about him through all of this, like still. So I'm just still playing the part, right? Still playing it. But now we've reached a new level and things are progressing. They're not, nothing's getting better. Like that didn't like make him think, oh, let me get some help. I knew something was wrong. Like, you know, at this point, because I've never been in that situation before, like in a relationship, I had verbal abuse, but only once physical and I got right out of it. This was no verbal and now we have physical. So then it was a while, you know, cause I, that he was sorry. Then he tried like the whole, whole thing. And then for whatever reason, one day I woke up and I went, where's the gun? Because we had a gun, but we kept it separate. We kept the whatever thing, uh, you know, chamber thing separate. And then you had the gun. So nothing was ever together. And for whatever reason, I don't know why. I'm like, oh my God, 
I we had he had like this fake book next to the bed where it's actually a storage, but it looks like a book. Mm-hmm. And something told me to look inside the book. And I opened the book and the gun was loaded. Not just it was it was ready to go. We hadn't he had one in the chamber. I knew it was I knew because we had a four year old in the house. There never would have been a gun loaded in the our house. And it was loaded next to him on the bed. And I knew it was for me. So I took the gun, took it apart, hit it, told a friend, gave all them all the information that I had. And then I found a book that he had kept. And he had told me that it was a little notebook that he had that he said he was keeping a notebook where he would write down all of the things his daughter said. Because, you know, at that age, toddlers, they say the cutest, funniest, meanest things, right? And so he would just randomly, like, write something down in this little notebook. And he said it was all the things that Remy said. Well, he left it on the dresser. And I was having a really bad day. So I wanted to read all the things that she had said so I could have a better day. Mm -hmm. And I open it up. And it is not that. It is all about me. Mm -hmm. And it is the writings of a fucking madman. He would scribble, like crazy scribble, you know, where they're just going back and forth, back and forth. And he would just have, I am not your monkey. I am not here to dance for you. I am not here to dance for you. I am not your entertainment. Like, it would say the craziest, craziest things about me. And I'm like, what the fuck? You're like, I'm in the shining. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Uh huh. I was like, I, it was the most, it was so, it, it, that the beating didn't snap me out of it because I was able to rationalize that. We were under so much stress with the custody case, blah, blah, blah. I, I was the first one. So that made it even easier, you know, like, oh, this isn't him. This is just, but then I saw that book and I'm like, oh, fuck. Like this, I, I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. And so I didn't care in that moment about me, but I cared about my daughter and I knew she needed me. So I'm like. Uh, we're getting the fuck out of here. Good for you. I know I had to have had a nervous breakdown somewhere in this place because I couldn't do things I normally could do. Like I couldn't even put things together enough to get a U-Haul and pack. Like that just was too much. I couldn't do it when he was there. I had to wait till he went to his grandmother's because he was going to his grandmother's who lived three hours away to work on her house. So then I could get all of the stuff out, right? Mm-hmm. So he's going to be gone for the weekend. So I posted a huge sale on Craigslist and gave everything away for like $25. Because I was like, he's not getting it. He's not having Because at this point, I'm now, I'm mad, right? But I'm also devastated. I'm not thinking right. It was such a crazy thing. And I'm having to plan also leaving because I now have no car no job it's just me my like there was no how am I gonna do this how what do I do well so what I did and I I just happened to be in this situation and so I know him he had a ton of collectibles 
in our basement that were just packed away that he had not looked at, taken out, the just the boxes. So I went on eBay and I just started selling all the collectibles downstairs in the basement. And I sold about $5,000. I sold all of his collection. And so I bought a car. And then when he went to his grandma's, I packed up as much as I could in the car. And I don't know how I did any of it. Like, it's all just such a blur. Now, remember, my daughter does not know he's a monster. Right. And I couldn't tell her any of it because I had to get us out mm -hmm. safely. So I still had to pretend. So I knew I was fucking her up, right? But there, I, I, there was nothing I could do to not because we had to get out safe. And if I told her, she couldn't pretend, you know, like, that everything's fine. And it was almost like she still had that jealousy of the happiness we were living until I took it away, you know? And so I had a friend in Tennessee who said, you can come stay with us. Because I never wanted to come back here because of the cold, right? Mm -hmm. My family, this is the last place I ever wanted to be again. So I packed the car. The only place she had ever felt completely secure and happy and loved by two parents. And she had no idea. Like, it just... So hard. And then telling her. Oh. Having to tell her what happened. Because I, there was no way around it. Because it made no sense. Like, because if I didn't tell her, she was just then going to hate me. You know, because it would have just seemed like I was just being selfish and left and what was I thinking. Um, so I had to tell her. Like, I wish, like, for the listeners that I'm okay. Like, it's been eight years. Like, it should be this triumphant story. Right? It is a triumphant story. Even though you're still heartbroken and still have trauma, there's still triumph in there. But, and I can't say... Oh, here's how you spot one, right? Right? I can't say it. Just listen to your gut. Your gut, your gut will, will tough. I can't say any of those things, right? So all my life, like all the men before Dick were dicks. And I knew that. Like they didn't ever, there were, they never hid that. Like that, you know, that I knew that about them. I didn't know this about him. My gut betrayed me. It, it didn't have a fucking clue how to ever trust my gut again. Like, how do I trust my gut again? Like, how do you, it's such a mind fuck. Yeah. I don't know how, I still don't know how eight years later, I don't know how to unravel that. I, I can say this though. I'm real. I really am at peace. Right? Like I'm not staying single because I'm scared of men or women like that it, it's not that i i'm not it was just i'm i haven't ever felt this good that's a huge triumph though i i'm okay i i truly am okay if i stay single the rest of my life and you know i won't ever say never right because like you don't know what life will bring you i don't have a void and yes it is because i've had so much shit but that's still the life I've had. 
And so if I'm now at a place that I don't need a relationship, that my life has been what it, it is, to that I'm now here, where I feel completely fine and secure being alone, I, I'm okay with that. And it isn't a, I'm sure my trauma obviously has a lot to do with certain things, but it isn't where I'm sitting here going, oh God, I wish I could, or I feel like I'm missing something or right. voids. Right. I feel less void now and my focus can be on other things. Mm -hmm. But I will say this, anybody listening, do not, I don't care how interested they seem, do not tell your most vulnerable to someone that you barely know. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that they're untrustworthy or whatever, but you don't know yet. Right. Be weary. If you are like, I've never met anyone like this before, pay attention. Like, pay attention to those signs. Love, love bombing is a huge thing. If something feels too good to be true, it usually really is. And I know that's a cliche that people say. No, it's true. But it, it really is. Yeah. And I, if they are, you know, if they're wanting to know every detail of your life without sharing every detail of their life, that's a flag. Yeah, for sure. If they tell you they love you in a month, it's a flag. Even if they feel it, I don't care. I don't care. Uh, it, it, it's a flag. Like, I'm a ridiculous, like, real, like, reality TV junkie. Same. <laughs> reality TV is self-care. I will, I will fight that battle to the day I die. It's ridiculous. If anybody ever wants to follow me, I'm the Bravo Police on Instagram and TikTok. It's <laughs> me. It's a ridiculous obsession I have. Um, I just started doing my TikToks on it. But the Sister Wives. I'm so addicted. I've watched every single episode. Watching these women, the only one I am not worried about is Janelle. Right. Yeah. She takes fear of shit. She's going to be just fine. She's the only one I'm not worried about. But Christine and Mary, the way Christine talks about her husband terrifies the crap out of me. He is the, he's my soulmate. He's the love of my life. He's amazing. He's perfect. He says all the right things. And now I'm not saying that Christine's husband is, is a narcissist or any of those things. I picked up on that too. He knew who she was. He knew her story. He knew how vulnerable she was. Right. Like all of these things he watched. He has a playbook. His daughter runs in and goes, she's single. Right. He knew what he was doing. I hope he really is wonderful. I really do. I hope so too. But everything they say scares me. Right. Because you put yourself out there and it hasn't even been a year. Like it hadn't even been a year when they got married. Right. And so that, if I could get everything, if it's too good to be true, please wait. Because just wait, just wait to get, because you don't have to get married. There's no rush. There's no rush. Really find out who they are because they can fake it for a very long, very, very long time. I, I, I wish there was a, I wish there was a book. I will say this. This is one thing I read that totally clued me in on what I was dealing with was 
that narcissists will tell the truth about themselves when they're caught when they're caught off guard. So what I did when I was trying to sort through all of this, just one random day, we were laying in bed, and I said to Dick, I said, "What does love mean to you? What does it mean to be in love?" And he goes, "You know, you just want to be around someone when you spend a lot of time with them, and you just enjoy their company." And I went, "Wait, so that's what." being in love to you means where you just enjoy their company. He's like, yeah, you know, like where you're okay with them being around all the time. Real. And I just, and I, and I just went, huh, you just described a buddy. <laughs> and not even a good buddy. <laughs> no. What? That, him saying that. Because after I read that, that they'll tell you the truth. If you just catch them off guard, I was like, he doesn't even know what love is. Like, he has no clue. I, I was just someone he could tolerate. Like, I didn't get on his nerves. Right. Like, really? Okay, thanks. You completely uprooted my life, destroyed me and everything else, but I'm glad I didn't annoy you. You know, I think, too, it's like there's there's no accidents. It's like the cliche of when someone shows you who they are, believe them. It's like there's no accident or situation in which someone attacks you like that you know and it doesn't even have to be that extreme right like there's no situation in which someone is abusing you in any way like that is who they are you know you may cause a reactive abuse where someone is reacting to abuse by being an abuser but someone who is who is just an abuser that is just who they are and they will show it to you in some type of way and it's not an accident it's not the alcohol it's not the stress it's not any of these other reasons that we like to frame things in it's who they are i i, I do want to say just one last thing um that i want to correct that i said when i said i'm not a success story and you corrected me you're right i i am a success story mm -hmm. i am i'm alive i am in a house that now me and my daughter own that I never thought would ever happen in my life. And here we are. I have set up to where my daughter will be okay if something ever happens to me. I am safe. I am at peace. I go to bed every night without a fear that something is going to happen to me or my daughter for anything. Um, I can walk into my house and the energy in our house is what we put in it, not what anybody else does. We have complete control over all of that. And I don't live in fear. So yes, I want to correct that. I am absolutely a success story from what I got out of. Just because it doesn't end with me meeting someone else and falling in love and having, you know, oh, but love is, it, it, that doesn't have to be the success story. Absolutely not. The success story, the success story doesn't mean I'm in another relationship. The success story is that I am happy and healthy and safe and here and she can't touch us anymore right right i'm so thankful for that and so that is a success for sure 100 percent, absolutely you're a badass bitch mm -hmm. just jennifer yeah i'm best jen yes jen <laughs> This is going to be my new profile picture and everything. <laughs> With the jazz hands. Just that. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Just that. Thank you for entrusting us with 
being the vehicle to get your story out because I know it takes so much energy and it's so hard, but like, I'm such a firm believer that just getting it out of our body into the world, you know, is, is hugely healing and also hugely helpful for other people who may happen to hear it and recognize something. Absolutely. I feel about it because I don't want people to walk away from this feeling like I still eight years later and I'm like, oh, there's so much, you know, but this was the first time I've really talked about it. So I want listeners to, to understand that too. Yeah. I don't mean to be sexist, but like, I feel like a lot of, a lot of women will hear this and connect with how peaceful eight years of not being tied into the same shit that we've been conditioned to do over and over and over again, or we are not whole or incomplete or whatever Mm -hmm. will very much connect with that piece, you know, like it will, because They just did a study about divorces, right, where in a divorce, a man will leave their wife once they have another woman lined up. Right, right. A woman will leave her husband and want to be the fuck alone. Yes. There's no man lined up. There's no nothing. They're like, nope, nope, we're good, you know. Right. I'm happy being single. Like, it, it just, there's a piece to it. Same here, sister. Yeah. I love it. I love it so much. I was actually on my on the phone with my best friend the other day, and I was talking about it, and I was like, you know what? There were some, some years where I was heartbroken and all that, but I think I've come into this. I go to bed every night with my dog, and everything is so peaceful. I have my tea, I read. It's just, it's so wonderful. It's yeah, such a great feeling. Yeah, it really is. There, There's so many different levels of wholeness, of happiness, of, you know, what brings people peace. And yeah, my trauma may have created it to where this is what brings me happiness, but it's still what brings me happiness. Right, right. And so... I don't, I don't feel the need, you know, society, because I get pressured a lot. Oh, but you haven't met. And oh, I, I didn't know I was getting, you know, fixed up at Thanksgiving. And I, and I showed up. You don't need a relationship to be complete. I know. No, there's no. And like, you've got two women and a woman married telling everybody. <laughs> You're good. Right. You know, and there, there are, there's different levels of happiness and no, I don't, I don't trust my gut in that ass, you know, in that sense again, like I, I'm not there yet. Like, and I might not ever be, and I'm okay with that. Like, because I no longer need to walk into a room and need anyone to want to fuck me. Like, I don't give two shits. And that is the success. That's the place that you should want to be. 100%. It is a it is a success story because I'm alive and I'm happy and I'm not with him. That's right, hundred percent, and we're good. But I know it's not so easy for everyone else, and my heart goes out to everyone going through this. And no, you're not crazy. The minute you start feeling like you are, like when you start, like I think this doesn't make sense. 
that your gut telling you it's off, mm -hmm. right? Listen to it. And if you ever find yourself having to go back to when they were amazing to justify the behavior that they're now exhibiting, to excuse it, so to just, no, no. Live in the moment, right? That is who you have right in front of you that's the person you're dealing with, not the person you thought they were a year ago or two months ago or even the day before. Right. Who, like you said, and like Maya Angelou said, when someone shows you who you are, who they are, believe them. Mm -hmm. Right. The first time. And stay safe. Everyone just stay safe. Well, thank you so much. We really yes. appreciate you sharing your story and being able to go through the whole thing is a whole lot. And we acknowledge that and are so thankful for it. And I know that someone will hear this then. No, and thank you guys for listening. Yeah, and someone will hear this and really pick something out that will help them. So everyone wins. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. You can find me at the Bravo, please. And soon to have a podcast called Drunk Bravo History. Awesome. Instead <laughs> of, so, you know, the show Drunk History? Yeah. We're going to do some Bravo Drunk History. Yeah. yeah. Nice. That sounds fantastic. You guys have a lovely night. Thank you so much. You too. Thank you. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it so much. If you want to support our show further, you can share our podcast with your friends, follow us on our socials at Pod. Or sign up for our Patreon to help keep the show going with a donation. Or you can become a patron for exclusive access to bonus content and interact with us and other loyal listeners on our feed. Meanwhile, if you liked what you heard today, please leave us a positive review. If you didn't, no worries. Move on about your day. If you want to share your story on our show, please visit our website at ngcompod.com to fill out the contact us form. Thanks again for listening.